Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. And thank you for joining us today and welcome. This is an hour dedicated to understanding a little more about ourselves, our beliefs, and how we approach enlightenment. Indeed, an hour devoted to learning something more, not just about the world of shoes and ships and sealing wax, but about how, what, and why we think and behave as we do. An hour for the open-minded, willing to challenge some of those old ideas about the world we live in and who we have become. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. Every week I read your letters as a way of recognizing the very important role you play in making this show successful. Last week, our show was all about wealth beyond reason, the law of attraction and the secret. Our guest was Mr. Bob Doyle, and in my opinion, he brought a breath of fresh air to the subject. In the end, this idea of magnetic attraction was debunked by Bob and replaced with a more sensible proposition, one I referred to as the law of non-resistance. In other words, the attraction principle works on the basis of removing resistance and that, to me, makes perfect sense. If you're holding something away because you have a belief that insists you don't deserve it or you'll never get it and so on, then you will find yourself in that servo-auto loop referred to as a self-fulfilling prophecy. You can't possibly attract it if you hold it away. I think, from my perspective, we're all entitled to attract all good things, but we deny that from ourselves. And I think that was the direction that that Bob was going in his arguments. Ivan wrote, what a great show. I was disillusioned with what everyone calls the law of attraction until I heard you and Bob talking. It's nice to know that we're not magnets attracting both the good and bad in our lives and therefore to blame for everything that happens to us. Your discussion about the Sedona tragedy cleared matters up for me. I had been really upset because I understood people were blaming the victims for attracting the tragedy. Thank you for the shows. That dare to ask the really relevant questions. Well, thank you, Ivan, and we're glad you enjoyed the show. And I like that. We do ask the relevant questions around here, don't we, Rav? We At least we try. try. <laughs> we're in sync, too. Well, now, by contrast, Angelica wrote, I appreciate what Bob Doyle had to say, but I got the sense that he likes to play it safe. In other words, he doesn't quite commit one way or another because despite the fact that he believes in an energetic world, the idea that one could stay at home and arrive at millions is too preposterous for him. In the end, this is nothing more than his belief, and so for him, attaining abundance this way would not be probable. Yet there are many who put out enormous amounts of energy for little financial return, so one's output of energy is not an accurate indicator of wealth either. Jesus said it best, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move, and it will move. The bottom line is simple. It all boils down to belief. This is my belief, and I'm sticking to it. I'm sticking to it. I love that one. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> uh, you've got to like that one, right, Rav? Of course. All right. But, you know, I also have to, as much as I love your comment, Angelica, I have to ask you, How's that working out for you? Because I, I guess I'm like Bob. I can't imagine that I just sit there and look at my vision board and in it comes. You know, I, I don't know. Now, again, in contrast, Lana wrote, 
it still comes down to getting out there and doing the basics. You cannot just sit around with your vision board and expect it to come to you. Well, now, it seems that dealing with the law of attraction is framed by one's definition. And like opinions, of course, everybody has one. Maybe that's the real secret. Nothing works for anyone unless they invest in it, invest the energy necessary to produce the appropriate belief. Moving on. Christine wrote, thank you for allowing me the trial products. Well, you're more than welcome, Christine, but they're not really trial products per se because there's no bill or take back that comes with them. They are yours to keep, absolutely free, and we sincerely hope that they assist you in your journey. And for all of you, Christine is addressing the free MP3 InterTalk programs that are available on my website. These are not samples. They are the real deal, the patented and scientifically proven effective InterTalk technology. There are several titles waiting for your download. All you need to do is go to eldentaylor.com and choose free programs from the left-hand navigation pane. Trish wrote, thank you, dear Eldon. I love the Intertalk CDs, and I loved your book, Mind Programming. Your work essentially got me started on my spiritual path, leading to the work that I do today. Well, thank you, Trish. I sincerely appreciate that. Mark wrote, these Intertalk subliminals really work. I have lost fear of bugs, moths, and spiders. I need to, I need to play that one for our oldest son. You know that? I think everyone can do with that one. I'm not... But, but he, he's 18. He still gets me when there's a bug on the wall. Hey, Dad. Dad, help. <laughs> All right. Mary Jo wrote, please pass along my thanks to your company for the Intertalk CD that I purchased. The music composition is wonderful and the message is powerful. As I have listened to the CD several times and each time find that I have some profound awareness resulting in the tears, which I know to be effective and needed for me. I am deeply grateful to Intertalk for creating a CD that is so important and so critically useful in unwinding subconscious beliefs. And Donald wrote, I'm a 46-year-old male who has been drinking since I was 16. Ten years ago, my wife left me and took my three-month-old son with her. I started drinking every day, a pint of scotch a night. Last year, I stumbled across your website and purchased the Freedom from Alcohol program. I had tried everything else and was desperate. I put off using the CD until about a month and a half ago. Today, I am no longer even interested in alcohol. I've tried to quit on many occasions, but failed. Your Intertalk program is miraculous. I plan on working on my smoking and weight management next. I am recommending your programs to everyone I know. Thank you. Well, congratulations, Donald. I, I, what you're telling me is just fantastic. And I, and I want to thank you for a new warm fuzzy. All right, that's all the time we're going to take for letters today, but I do invite you to express your opinion and provide your feedback, and you can do that by sending your email to Eldon at eldentaylor.com or by joining me on Facebook. We can't get all of your letters on the air, but they do impact our programming, and once again, I thank you for your feedback and continued support. Now to today's show, and we'll just see if we can become a little more enlightened about this subject. Screwing Mother Nature for Profit. There is much to say today about the pros and cons of the green movement. The world of politics is mired in conversations around such things as the Keystone Pipeline. Do we get oil from Canada and provide thousands of jobs, or do we stand our ground and insist on green energy development? 
Should the government have backed Solyndra with a half a billion taxpayer dollars? And is their failure a signal of more to come? Do we let the Chinese buy up all the natural resources like iron, coal, copper, and so forth before they are developed from countries that we will not do business with because of some political issue, such as human rights? China is, in fact, out there paying mega dollars in advance to countries like Brazil, where they just poured $7 billion into their oil development. I mean... How green do we remain while headlines around the world put us on notice that the world has, quote, fears of Chinese land grab as Beijing's billions buy up the world's natural resources, close quote. So what is a trade-off or solution, or is there any? We continue to use petrol fuels and buy large automobiles, SUVs and trucks. Is the answer in raising the prices Americans pay for fossil fuels? What's in it for the major corporations, and how much influence do they have on the direction this country takes? Our guest today says, quote, Corporate greed is wreaking havoc on our planet. Destruction of habitats, depletion of natural resources, pollution, climate change, the damage is all around us, close quote. Is it the corporations? the body politic, the consumer, or just who to blame. Perhaps it's all. The information, misinformation, and deliberate disinformation proliferates everywhere. So we at least can conclude that just about everyone has a dog in this contest. For some, global warming is man-made. There's absolutely no doubt about it. However... For other equally competent and qualified experts, you can leave out the human factor and still explain the global warming pattern. The disputed issues involve the causes of increased global average air temperature, especially since the mid-20th century, whether such a warming trend is unprecedented or within normal climatic variations, whether humankind has contributed significantly to it, or whether the increase is wholly or partially an artifact of poor measurements. Additional disputes concern estimates of climate sensitivity, predictions of additional warming, and what the consequences of global warming will be. The old Sergeant Friday from the TV series Dragnet, the facts, the facts and only the facts, is something few of us can get little of today. Generally, instead, it's more a matter of the agenda, the agenda. Stick to the talking points, the agenda, not the facts. So what are we to think and do? Pink slime in our food, aborted fetal cells for flavoring, roadkill and euthanized animals in our pet food, new dangers discovered every day in our drugs, pollution in the air we breathe, additives to the water supply, ELF signals from our phones and computers that cause cancer, and even frequency modulations that affect our brain and mutate the DNA molecule. All of this is just part of the noise background. Well, our guest today has done some research, and she has some ideas for an ethical, sustainable future. Her new book, Screwing Mother Nature for Profit and How Corporations Betray Our Trust, and why the new biology offers an ethical and sustainable future is the subject of today's show. 
Now, that's one long book title. And I must tell you in advance that many of her ideas are controversial, to say the least. That is, there are strong supporters of her ideas and equally vociferous opponents. I wrote a blurb for her book before it was published that pretty well says it. This is a book about our time, for our time, and for those to whom it matters. And I think you'll find it matters to all, despite the reluctance by some, to do their own research and become a part of the solution. Our guest is Elaine Smitha. Elaine is also the author of the Self-Healing Handbook, If You Make the Rules, How Come You're Not Boss? Minding Your Body's Business. She is a world traveler, and her copy states she's a dare-to individual. She holds an MFA from Drake University with a lifetime teaching credential and is represented in Who's Who in American Art as well as the world's Who's Who of Women. Since 1992, she's both hosted and produced the popular weekly television show, Evolving Ideas, reaching millions of households with her education beyond the classroom series. Elaine also hosts an internet radio show on Progressive Radio Network, and I've been honored to be a guest on both her television and radio show multiple times. She is indeed a multi-talented woman with a visionary perspective whose frontier is gaining knowledge of how the universe works to better understand the nature of who we are and our relationship to it. Ever since she healed herself in 1993 after neurotoxic poisoning from oil-based paint, her primary mission has been to introduce and advance awareness and knowledge of the body's innate, innate intelligence to heal itself given the right environment. She founded WebWorks in 1987, sponsoring workshops and events on progressive ideas, and continues to play on the edge of discovery with her television and radio show. So let's get her in here. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Elaine Smitha. Well, thank you, Eldon. <laughs> nice to chat with you. It's a pleasure. You know, it's kind of the tables are reversed. You're always yes, doing the interviewing true. of me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you you, well, you know, true. you and I haven't talked in some time. So, I mean, what have you been up to? Well, I've been up to promoting my book, obviously, and doing some talks and writing some articles and, um, among other things, taking care of my property. We had the big ice storm over here in uh, in Washington, Western Washington State, and so right. uh, we even lost the Capitol grounds. They lost like 28 trees down there, and so it's it's still a mess. Everybody is still, everyone is still cleaning up the mess. That's how, how bad it's been. So right. uh, that's been taking some time to do. Everyone I've talked to over on that side of Washington, I, I, I can remember here, on, and we're on the eastern side, mm-hmm. uh, Ice Storm 96, and on my ranch alone, we lost about 100 trees, and it took yes. over a year to clean it up. Exactly. Uh, and, and everyone on your side now who just had this ice storm, uh, um, I've heard the same stories from them. There are trees down everywhere, and you just can't go in and clean that up, in, you know, and overnight. So no. Well, in fact, um, the power uh, future power here uh, granted like a forty-five dollar um, uh, uh, feedback for or payback or release or whatever you want to call it for anybody who lost their power for five days. So a lot of people took advantage of that, so they didn't have to pay that part of their bills. So that was kind of Puget Power's way of helping the people out a little bit. 
That's great. We didn't have anything like that, and and we went without power. I had to fly a generator in because I thought my wife was going to abandon me and, and fly back to the <laughs> United Kingdom. Never abandoned you. Never, ever abandoned All you. All right. <laughs> Elaine, you heard the setup piece. Tell us. He's exaggerating a little it, bit. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. Tell us, is it the consumer that insists on that luxury vehicle or cheap fast food or low-cost heating fuel and so forth? Are, are they just as much to blame for the ways of big business today as the corporations themselves? Um, well, I think maybe the individual is aspiring to be greater than what they are, perhaps, or they see the wealthy living that way and they want a piece of that action. And I think that's kind of what drives that. I mean, I'm driving a 1986 Bronco, too. All I care about is transportation. I want a vehicle that would get me from here to where I want to go. And so I'm not into that having to have the newest, brightest thing on the block every, you know. Right, but your Bronco is not, you know, exactly economical. It's a four-wheel drive vehicle, and granted, you need four-by-four in that country, but it's it's certainly not a Prius. I get 20 miles a gallon. Okay, all right, but that's that's not a Prius. No, I don't want a Prius. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, I'll put you an Al Gore over here in a category. I mean, he's still <laughs> flying his private jet around, but okay. Let's begin by having you outline the ways you believe business is screwing Mother Nature. Together with the kind of businesses and products you're talking about, please. Well... <laughs> Now, don't back me into a corner, Eldon. <laughs> no way. No way. Um, well, I think that the big corporations, their level of greed has succeeded common sense. And um, I do think that our outsourcing to uh, foreign countries, when people here in the United States used to have those jobs, and that all started with the WHO that happened in Seattle here. Um, and there were a lot of protests at that time with the WHO uh, or WTO, the World Trade Organization, where these corporations were going to just work kind of within their own little confines and leave out all the the, the local farmers and the people who worked, uh, distribute, distributed their products, not necessarily globally, but locally. And that really caused a divisiveness. I mean, it was terrible riots here in Seattle. I can still, in my uh-huh. memory, see the television screen with all the, even the, even the, the radio and television reporters could not believe what they were seeing. So, um, yes, it was pretty bad, pretty bad. And that was sort of the thing that kind of got me going, I think, so many years ago. So if, you know, but if I'm to understand you correctly, then companies like Apple, who do tremendous amounts of outsourcing, uh, they're villains in your mind. Well, not necessarily. I mean, the, what I'm kind of more focused on is the, uh, the shadowy side, the, the places where the companies are hiring, uh, going into third world countries and hiring these people and paying them like very, very low wages, you know, very, very low wages. And some that sometimes they... But, but, but even, China, China definitely yes. fits that, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, that's well, where our, most of Apple's outsourcing goes. Well, and, and, of not, course, when the outsourcing goes someplace like China or India, what was a third world country becomes suddenly a, a economic power. 
Well, I think from my perspective, what I'm looking at, everything you're saying is true. But when I was going after the corporations, the big corporations, where they're hiring uh, people who live in substandard conditions, and they're in in a house, and they can't leave the house, and the women get raped by the men, and they're they're stuck there, and they can't, uh, you know, their livelihood is dependent upon what they're what they're earning, but is so low that they really cannot live on their own. So that's kind of what I'm talking about about the exploitation of some people. And, and now, are, are you going to dare to be specific about companies who would actually outsource under those those standards where women are raped? Uh. Well, I do think I mentioned it at the moment. I can't recall the exact um, uh, companies, but there are some who do that. I'd have to, you know, when you write the book, you do the book, and then you sometimes forget some of the excellent details about that. I, I, I remember, I mean, I've, of course, read your book now twice. Uh, once to give you the blurb, and then briefly again before this uh, interview and and i don't recall you naming that company but that's that's all right listen we've got a break coming up when we come back from the break i'm going to ask you more about this outsourcing particularly in light of general motors corporation being taken over the ceo being fired and all of that having to do with labor unions and the other side of the coin which argues it's the labor unions that caused the outsourcing we're speaking with elaine smith about her book screwing mother nature for profit If you're not already in our chat room, this is a great time to join in the conversation. We have a video to share with you of our guest, so go to eldentaylor.com forward slash chat. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss what's coming up after these words from some of our friends. Have you talked to yourself lately? What does that inner voice say? Are you constantly hearing negative feedback? Ready for a change? InnerTalk, Eldon Taylor's patented subliminal technology, can do just that. Change your inner self-talk. Turn off the negative by replacing it with positive affirmations. InnerTalk has been researched at universities such as Stanford and by governments around the world and has been proven effective at priming your self-talk. Armed with a new positive outlook, you'll find everything becomes easier. From losing weight to stop smoking, giving presentations to riding horses, Learn new things to being a powerful salesperson. Choose your title for change today. Visit www.innertalk.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K.com. Innertalk.com. Confusion. Deception, manipulation, feeling a bit controlled, lost. Learn how you can take back control of your life through proven techniques in Eldon Taylor's revised edition of Choices and Illusions. This New York Times bestseller is a guidebook to your journey to self-actualization filled with practical, real-life solutions backed by scientific studies and guaranteed to awaken your inner genie. Get your copy today from all bookstores. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome back. If you just joined us, we're speaking with Elaine Smitha about her book, Screwing Mother Nature for Profit. 
But before we get back to today's show, I want to remind you to like our Facebook fan page for Provocative Enlightenment Radio. As a fan, you'll always know where we are and what's on next. I would also like to invite you to join me on Facebook while you're there. And if you like our show, please do spread the word. We genuinely appreciate your support. All right. Now, before the break, Elaine, you know, I suggested to you that when we came back, I was going to ask you very specifically about outsourcing and and labor unions, because the the uh, the oppositional argument to your position having to do with this is that the labor costs have just become horrendous. And when we look, you know, around, we see companies, uh, airline companies such as Delta go into reorganization bankruptcy and the purpose of their reorganization seems to be clearly to erase agreements that they have with labor unions. And as a result of that reorganization, pilots and, and staff have a new structure of pay, a new retirement plan, and, and the airline comes out and prospers. Now, General Motors was about to do that. Uh, they were halted. The CEO was fired. Uh, the government stepped in, and the government told them what kind of cars to make, and uh, and so on and so forth. And 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 so my question is: Are we better off uh, in a capitalistic country to fight outsourcing and support uh, perhaps even unrealistic labor union expectations, or are we are are, are we just going to have to at some point in the world in 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 our benevolent nature of sharing with all of the world the wealth of America, except that giving jobs to third world countries is not a bad thing necessarily. Well, no, it isn't a bad thing for the corporations, you know, because it lowers their costs because those workers work for much less than their whole economy it's uh, built around. You know, our economy here is very different from what it is in China. Uh, the whole governmental structure is very different as well. So um, I think that we're hoping that the American corporations are a little bit more progressive thinking. That's what our hope is. But when they go and, and leave the country with their manufacturing uh, uh, departments and so forth, then uh, then it's not benefiting us. But they want to bring the product back and sell it to us. So it's sort of... a Mm, a double-edged sword there. So um, I'm not certain how this is all going to play out, <clears throat> except that we have a great many people here in the United States now who have no jobs. And this is because the corporations have gone overseas to third-world countries, as I said before, with lower wages. So somehow we need to still preserve the American uh, idea that we can build wonderful things here, sell them at fair price, their market price, and be able to support the workers as well. But so many plants have closed here, and that's why we have this unbearable amount of people not working. I, I, I totally concur with that. But then, of course, the argument from the other side of the aisle is, you know, and when you talk to businesses, uh, all this added legislation, all these new rules, all of the additional uh, um guidelines that businesses have to live by, the higher minimum wages and, and so on and so forth. That's what forces a business to go abroad. And what's the result of that? And, and that's my real point. The result is, well, the largest corporation 
in the world is abroad, and we're all dependent upon their iPhones and their iPads, and etc. And the largest retail corporation in the world is the largest, you know, purchaser of Chinese goods, and they're growing, and we all are visiting the WalMarts for the better, more economical price points that are available, as opposed to say our local. Uh, shopping uh, market that charges us more because they don't have that same buying power. So I, I come back and say, how can we blame, you, you know, how can the beast be the corporation when we as the consumer reinforce their behavior? Well, it is a conundrum, isn't it? Because, the uh, you know, our budgets are minimal compared to what they were before for the general population. Not for the big corporations. They're just doing fine. But uh, for the people, and uh, people lost their jobs. So many people are out of, still out of work. And so how are we going to take care of our own people and, um, you know, and make, it, make it work the way it used to work? And I don't really have a firm answer on that because I think that it's all going to be, um, you know, it's, it's a, a composite picture here of the interfaces between the public and the uh, corporations and the higher up, the the ones who get enormous salaries. And it's not the trickle down when the money thing there. It's just now it's, the workers are not paid as much. But the presidents and the corporate leaders, they're paid an overabundant uh, price for their talents. And that means the people at the bottom then are suffering more. And that's why we're well, in an economic situation right now. So you're saying that because CEOs of corporations are paid so much, some of them are they're, paid they're in is the problem? I'm saying it's part of it. I mean, look, everything, everything has to be balanced out. You have a balance sheet. But when it is disproportionate and the people at the bottom do not have jobs, look at all the people out of work today uh, trying to get a job. Then, Couldn't we say the same thing for sure about our senators, our congressmen, yes, our absolutely. leaders? Absolutely, absolutely. So, so this is this is about government, not just. I mean, because where I'm hanging up here is the title of your book says how corporations betray our trust. Yes, and and I and and of course that you know implies the specific intent to betray us. I mean, that's they 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 really want to just get us, and and I have a hard time swallowing that pill. Mm-hmm. Well, it just seems like we have believed in them so much as being the way business needs to be operating and functioning, and and sometimes they just are not uh, helping us in that regard. They're not making it possible for us to even even uh, well look look what they've done to the housing, for instance. All these foreclosures of all these homes and people are have no place to go. Why can't there be some kind of um, modification of their uh, term, terms of, of agreement for payment and so forth so those people can stay in those homes instead of having all these vacancies? That makes no sense so, at so all. So now, now the housing industry, that, that's the corporations, that's the banking corporations that caused that problem. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying that these are evidence, evidential pieces of our lives. That... You know, I, we live in a very difficult time economically, and, exactly. and there isn't an easy solution. No. Where I'm getting to is I'm not sure that vilifying 
um, with a broad paintbrush, all corporations is uh, is, is appropriate. I, I deal with a lot of business people and uh, many from large corporations and and um, you know their attitude is is about service not all of them there are mercenaries out there in the world but but generally you know their duty is first to their stockholders and and in order to take care of their stockholders they have two interests one is the profitability of the corporation. The other right. is the viability of the corporation. And the viability is dependent upon how they are perceived by the public. Are, are they doing more good, if you will, uh, in, in the image of the public than they might be doing by way of, of harm? So I, I, I'm not so sure where I'm coming down. I'm not so sure that we can paint all business in that same corner. But then I also tend to think that government has a big role to do this. So let me let me change the subject a little bit, and, and let's go this way. Do you believe that the family farmer who deploys pesticides and herbicides in order to increase their own crop yield is screwing Mother Nature? They're contaminating? Do you, do you, and, and so do you think the starving people in Ethiopia would agree with you? Because don't not. we have a balance here also? Well, I think that uh, when you're talking about spraying, I mean, you, the farmers have to do some of that, I suppose, you know, but not when you get to the place of of uh, ruining the food itself. But the problem is that the genetically uh, modified uh, organism seeds, that's the problem right there because that's a control of who lives and who dies because it depends upon our food supply. Farmers have been but- killing themselves when they haven't had the money coming from from the, they haven't had a decent harvest where they can collect uh, their food, uh, sell, selling their food so that they can support their own families. So that now, I don't, yeah, that's an example of something that I think is on the negative side. Now, you are aware that many of the people, uh, the leading scientists that were originally involved, were signing on to, to statements uh, having to do with The Inconvenient Truth, the movie by Al Gore, etc., have switched their position on GMOs because of um, the, you know, the necessity to feed the world. Are you, are you aware of that? I mean, I happen to agree with you. I'm opposed to GMOs, but yes, I'm are you aware of that? Yes, I, I understand that. But uh, when, when farmers are killing themselves because they have no yield, um, and farmers, there's one farm, um, I don't remember the name of the person, but what happened was the GMO seeds actually blew onto his farm and started uh, contaminating his crop, and he actually sued them. He sued Monsanto and Sagenta for contaminating his uh, his farm. So uh, those are the, and plus the thing is that those seeds do not regenerate, so they have no seed for the next season. So the farmers have to buy seeds every year. So right. that's uh, controlling the the buying supply. Right, I, and, and I and I totally concur with with that logic. On the other hand, I also understand that there are you know millions of people uh, starving on this planet, and uh, and the necessity to produce uh, additional uh, food uh, resources uh, becomes more and more critical every year. So, is there is there not a balance here? I guess. I'm asking you, Elaine, I have a great respect for you, but I'm asking you, as opposed to 
you know, let's get him with the left and then hit him with the right and then maybe an uppercut. Isn't there some way we can shake hands and get to a mid-ground? Are you talking about the uh, farming? Is that what you're talking I'm, about? I'm talking about business, I mean, period. Because, I mean, again, what motivates Monsanto, and they happen to be on my own hit list, uh, so there's no affection between us, but what motivates them, uh, once again, is profit. And, uh, you know, and, and, and you spell out profit as being evil. But profit is, of course, necessary for stockholders or for this country to operate, given its capitalistic system. And their bigger picture, they defend with stockholders, rightly so, under the auspices that we're trying to feed the world. So I'm asking, is there a place between let's have a square off, uh, let's 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 divide classes. There are the good folks and the bad folks. Isn't there a place that we can we can look to uh, come to some agreement where maybe in say the instance of Monsanto, uh, if there is going to be genetically modified uh, seed, uh, that that seed is going to be available to farmers um, on some kind of a uh, a basis where they're not hooked in like a blood bank that they have to draw on a regular basis. Well, uh, we could feed ourselves before they started controlling the seeds themselves. When you would be like, um, um, you know, like take t- telling a woman she can't have any children and sterilizing her. Okay, that's what they did with the seeds. So if you're going to have to feed the population... You have to be able to allow the farmers and the people uh, in your own neighborhood, say, to plant their own seeds, harvest the seeds, have them for next year. That's the way it's always been. So you have now starving people because of this new model. And that, I feel, is against Mother Nature and uh, because the natural ability to feed ourselves is dependent upon that, on having the seeds to replant every year. That I totally concur. I just somehow would like to see a place where we could have, you know, um, both worlds at the same time because we were able to feed um, everyone maybe 50 and 100 years ago. But the population explosion, the loss of farm ground, some of the the changes in the environment are such that uh, we need an ever-increasing food supply. So I see both. Now, let me ask you this. Many times it's a small government seeking to improve the plight of their citizens that causes the pillage, as you refer to it. So, for example, the rainforest is being deforested every day, but Brazil depends on the profits to stave off the poverty in their economy. That said, the climate change impact will be much stronger because forests and rainforests absorb large quantities of the CO2 that you know, or the greenhouse gas that most people are blaming, you know, for the the climate changes itself. So what do we tell a country like Brazil? Well, I've been to Brazil. Um, I think Uh that, uh, you know, the whole aspect of allowing the people to grow their own food is essential. Otherwise, if you keep blocking all of that, you're going to have all these starving people and you're not going to have any population because they're going to die. So somehow we have to come to some consensus here for humanity and for animals to live, animals and all this, all of Mother Nature here to, to survive the changing uh, climates and the environment um, 
that has the that is new for us perhaps because of the changes. But somehow I, I get back to that seed thing, Eldon. And honestly, you know, if you have a company that doesn't want to uh, allow you to collect the seeds, as we always did since the beginning of time, that has kept people alive, that to me is is just not not right. I totally concur with that. I she. Please don't misunderstand me. I am 100% on your side. When I said Monsanto's on my hit list, I'm, you know, I meant that. I, uh, I spend a great deal of time and energy getting information out on, on some of the things that they're doing. Let's do this. Your book suggests that uh, there's an ethical and sustainable model based on the new biology for resolving all this. And, and I've been trying to get you to come around to that. So why don't I just ask you, tell us, what is that model? Okay, the new, new biology. Well, this is based upon Dr. Bruce Lipton's research at Stanford School of Medicine. Um, and when I learned about how the physical body really functions at a cellular level, then I thought, I've thought about how business then could be used by that same model. And um, and so that's why I really was I was excited about this because I just felt that there was a way for us to uh, model our business so that they're more receptive to what the environment is around them, and it can be in their own offices and factories and so forth, but also in their interactions with the public. And I think that when we come to that with um, uh, products that are healthful, that are beneficial for humanity and the environment then they stand a really good, a good chance for, uh, for big success. But when we have uh, companies that don't behave that way, then, you know, and they're still on the market, then that's not supporting that future model. You, and, and, of course, part of the problem is, and, uh, you know, companies are like human beings. Their behavior is not always linear. You, you have a human being that can be a very good person and then do a bad thing. So what do you have in mind as to how you would deal with that? Well, um, I'm trying to remember this fellow's name who's very much um, in my uh, model of, that is doing this. Um, right. uh, I think it's really um, William McDonough. Okay. Uh, and he's an architect. And, uh, and he teamed up with a German chemist uh, who is Michael Bronckart. And uh, they have been working on uh, finding, uh, helping transform the industry, human industry, through ecologically intelligent design. So they are probably the most futuristic company in in the world working with this, and they are now working in China and doing things in other countries, helping them too. So they're they're uh, designing factories and so forth uh, using uh, uh, natural materials when possible, having cl- uh, good. Um, uh, clean air for them to breathe, light, natural light, so that it reduces the amount of electricity that's used in, in our artificial lighting. They are also working with, uh, well, they have worked with Ford Motor Company, and they have uh, encouraged them and designed a, uh, a farm, in, a natural landscape on top of their, um, uh, auto, their truck assembly plant, on the top there where they can actually have animals and so forth up there in a natural environment, so it's not roofing. That has to be do that, and the water that is used uh, for watering the uh, the plants and rain and so forth is actually 
fed down into their uh, parking lot, and which is a porous uh, surface so that it can drain off into a river. Now, that right. is really being economically um, conscious, and, um, and it's helping the company to save money. Isn't it going to take, though, in addition to that kind of, uh, of work, isn't it going to take a radical change in human behavior? I mean, look, if we don't want that, that uh, frequency modulation, that ELF that has been proven to mutate the DNA molecule that is produced by the computer, uh, then we move it away. We don't sit in front of it. If we don't want the, uh, the cancer that we may uh, that is linked to the use of cell phones, well, then we stop using cell phones. If we don't want the CO2, uh, then we buy Priuses. I mean, isn't the bottom line coming down to, to use your model, the epigenetics of Bruce Lipton? Either we adapt to this new environment as Homo sapiens sapiens, and or we're just going to have to make some drastic changes in how we carry on our lifestyle. Well, that's true. We're all a choice. It's really true. Um, yes, we just everybody has to make that decision for themselves, what they want in their environment. But one thing I'm, I've been a little concerned about, this is a little uh, moving into a slightly different area, I've been a little concerned with um, uh, these companies who are going into the, um, like Maine, the state of Maine, and uh, drilling wells there for their own benefit for like sparkless water so they can sell mm-hmm. water to you. And instead of you being able to have it right out of your tap and know that it's just fine. And I don't think that's right. There's people there in this in that city, well, the state, that whole area there has protested them, and I think they've even sued and won. So something, you know, is positive in happening in that regard. But we we have water. We have enough water. We don't have to be buying bottled water. So I'm I'm right. that. Well, of course, most people I think are buying bottled water to avoid the chemicals that are added to waters by our. Well, you, you can know, get a filter for your city sanitation own systems. Yeah, Pardon? You, yeah, you can get you can get a filter for that. Right, but I mean that's the reason people buy bottled water. We're, you know, we're really short on time, and I guess you know this is an election year, and and I would be, I would slide everyone if I didn't just ask you directly. Uh, do you think we're better off if we socialize, uh, you know, industries and do away with this idea of profit? Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. Maybe it's just a matter of degree of profit. Because everybody has to has to live, it's the way it's the whole economic system that we have. <clears throat> so if you take it all away, maybe maybe we would just volunteer and help one another without even expecting anything in return. But if you're, everybody's helping one another, then they are getting paid back in their labor. I think they've tried those kinds of models and they haven't worked in the past. <laughs> well, that's that's my problem. That, yeah, there you are know, the innovation, What the thing that this made this country great has been its innovation. has been the mm-hmm. fact that, you know, uh, people actually, you know, did what they did uh, on a sense of self-reliance, a sense of total self-responsibility. They were able to create in ways we haven't. Listen, Elaine, we've got about 20 seconds. Give everybody your website. Tell them how to find your book. Oh, evolvingideas.com, and the book is available on Amazon and most all bookstores. And it is a provocative read. It is a great read. Uh, I, I suggest that you do go out and get the book. I appreciate you being with us today. 
We've uh, come to the end of another hour of Provocative Enlightenment, and I want to thank you all for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed our show, and we'll join us again next week, same time and same place. And if you have comments on our show, good, bad, or indifferent, do let us all know. Okay, until next time, wherever you are in the world, remember, believing in yourself always matters. <laughs>